crafting an environment of autonomy within the veterinary workplace is a hot topic today. And it is something that comes up very frequently when I work with veterinarians in the industry in a one-on-one setting, in a group setting, even in large talks. This idea of autonomy, ways in which we can take back control of our day or feel like we are in control of our day, in control of ourselves, even in control of our emotions and our thoughts, is something very compelling and very interesting to the general practitioner today. And what we're going to do in this episode of the podcast is dive deeper into it and look at it as kind of a tool towards that salutogenic expression, that salutogenesis, that state of flourishing that we talked about in our last episode. If you missed it, go back to the previous episode and listen to that. But today we're going to talk about how workplace autonomy and specifically a tool known as the Personal Growth Initiative can help you capture meaningful autonomy in your job, can help you create as a manager meaningful autonomy for your employees. So stay tuned, OTRs. So the real challenge is, how do veterinarians like us, who don't have the time, resources, or financial backing of a multi-million dollar company, who are faced with irregular work schedules, on-calls, and emergencies, How can we facilitate our own personal and professional growth so we can continue to offer superior service to our clients while still remaining competitive in today's market? That is the challenge, and this podcast will provide you the roadmap to its solution. I'm your host, Dr. Eric, and welcome to Operators to Owners. How we fill our days determines our long-term well-being, our overall life satisfaction, how empowered we feel at work. Much as we discussed salutogenesis and the importance of studying the positive things that are going on within the world and how we can actually utilize and harness those in our last podcast episode, this time what I want to do is set the scene for you guys and get you to start to think about how we craft something known as the inner work-life story. You see, each one of us would struggle with these feelings of burnout or stress if we're not able to clearly identify where these feelings are coming from, to clearly understand what we call the attribution cycle. What makes us feel the way we feel? And how do we take these internalized feelings and craft them into a story that justifies our emotions, our actions, our frustrations, our stressors, within the workplace. We've all experienced this at some point in our career, this waxing and waning of motivation at work as derived or as dictated by that little voice that ramps up your emotions or helps you to build meaningful relationships or alters how you perceive actions. Inner work life basically describes our behind the scenes motivation how our brain explains what's occurring to us, those silent judgments we make, the stories we craft, and how those interpretations control our internal thoughts and actions. So being able to actively control inner work-life stories means that we as individuals can become more autonomous. We are controlling our emotions. We're controlling our story. We become less reactionary and are ultimately more in control of our days. It's the first step to seizing back autonomy for us. Now, many of you know that the 
self-determination theory as derived by DC and Ryan in the 1980s has become this framework for operators to owners, this very, very critical aspect to empowering you, the practitioner, to be motivated as you move forward. And today, it's about autonomy and how when we seize autonomy, we change the story and we become motivated for personal development. We become motivated to become more competent, to share that competency with the world. And we become motivated to seek out others that we can impact meaningfully or that can impact us meaningfully. So with that, the first step to taking back autonomy at work is realizing there are different types of autonomy. Now, the first type I kind of like to discuss with clients is what is known as controlling autonomy or the ability to kind of schedule your day, schedule your tasks, maybe dictate when you take a break, dictate how long an appointment or a herd check or something like that might be. This is a very common type of autonomy within the industry and very common, honestly, within all of business. It's honestly a great first step to establish autonomy as a manager. It kind of empowers us to feel like we have a little bit more control over our days. We have a little bit more control over the things that are occurring to us. But what we also have to remember, or what I also see, is that this is a common level of control in today's society. It's something that many managers, many veterinary managers, clinic managers, and even business managers are utilizing to say, yes, I give autonomy to my workers. And then they get frustrated when the workers still aren't empowered to work, don't have elevated levels of well-being, aren't satisfied with their overall lives. And the reason behind this is because it is only a small subset of workplace autonomy. Giving somebody the ability to dictate when they do the work that is dictated to them by their employer is an expression of autonomy, but it is not complete autonomy. It is not the ability to really seek the things that are actually meaningful to that person, to express autonomy as related to that singular thing. Now, meaningful autonomy is the second type of autonomy that I like to focus on, and it's the ability to identify and make progress upon meaningful work every single day. Now, I get this idea poo-pooed so many times by managers when I first present it to them. They go, we can't just let veterinarians or employees pursue their own interests. We'd end up with this clinic with this multi-directional focus, never moving in the same direction, never getting anything done. But what this actually looks like when implemented correctly, when implemented with a clear vision, is that meaningful work isn't going to take up the entire day. Meaningful work doesn't mean that we can't move in the same direction. What it means is creating a balance a balance between this controlling autonomy and this meaningful autonomy where we give the practitioner, the employee, a direction and say, hey, you can get these things done during the day, but you can get them done kind of within your window. But I also want you to do this thing, this meaningful thing for you and set aside time for it. And together, they really empower that workplace autonomy value system. This circles back around to a concept that I really love to talk about. And it's a hard concept, honestly, to implement within your clinic, but it is a, what is known as a results-oriented workplace. It is to say, if your goal 
for your staff, for your veterinarians is to accomplish X, Y, or Z thing, or perhaps to yield X, Y, or Z um, net, or to turn over X, Y, or Z number of appointments, does it really matter how they do it? You see, when we allow these individuals to kind of control how they work, when we allow them to control the work that they actually work upon, they start to work more efficiently. They start to be more empowered. They increase their well-being, their life satisfaction, and ultimately end up with happier, more profitable, longer-lasting employees. If we want to structure this in such a way where we give controlling autonomy to employees and also help them chase after meaningful autonomy for portions of a day, again, not the entire day, what we need to do is kind of start to model it after Teresa Amabelli's progress principle. And I've talked about this before. Again, another framework type principle for operators to owners. And Teresa's research showed us that when we allow individuals to chase this meaningful work, not just take control of their day, but to chase that meaningful work, there's a 76% chance that person has a positive work day. That means that they're going to experience positive moods, positive emotions, and overall motivation. However, if we don't give them this meaningful autonomy, if we don't allow them even the smallest amount of time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour of time per day to pursue their meaningful work, there's only a 13% chance of a positive workday for that individual. The beauty of this is if you're managing a veterinary clinic and if you can create time within your daily schedule for that person, that practitioner, that employee to chase after that meaningful autonomy, there is a chance that they experience that positive workday, 76% chance. And if they experience that positive workday, they experience a 50% increase in creativity that day the next day, and the next day. Anybody who's listened to me talk has heard this fact before, but can you only imagine how your clinic would change if you handed some workplace autonomy back, gave that individual some control over their day, but actually empowered them to chase after the things that are meaningful to them? How much that creativity could impact your practice's bottom line? How much it could impact the types of clients you're able to pull in, the types of work you're able to do, the specialties you're able to manifest. This is the type of vision I see when we give workplace autonomy back to the employee, when we seek to help them identify and chase after their meaningful work. With that said, how do we foster it? And it can be challenging initially to shift a workplace culture from a low autonomy environment to a highly autonomous environment. We saw this actually play out at the beginning of COVID when so many employees of so many different businesses had to become work from home employees. They struggled with the ability to control almost every aspect of their workday. They went from having a very structured environment with very structured meetings and a very structured workplace to this sudden ability to dictate their own efficiencies, their own productivities, their own kind of work cycles throughout the day. But what we found is as this COVID mentality went on and as they worked from home longer, employees began to explore this newfound freedom, develop their own efficiencies, and really evolve the work system. So as a model to aid a veterinary clinic or a veterinary staff or you as an individual working within this framework, as a model to help you with this evolution, I encourage you to look into Christine Robichek's 
Personal Growth Initiative Lab. This personal growth initiative is a great model for crafting meaningful autonomy because it teaches the individual how to become ready for meaningful autonomy, to understand what they want and why they want it. It teaches them how to plan for effective growth. Do they even have a plan? Do they have clarity around what they actually want around this meaningful work, what they want to accomplish and how they're going to accomplish it? Do they have the opportunities and presence of relationships that are needed for growth? Do they know the resources that they need for this growth, for this skill development? Do they have mentors or people who can advise them along the way? And then ultimately, do they have the tendency towards action, towards acting upon those plans, towards reflecting and then changing them and pushing their meaningful work forward? That is what Robichek's Personal Growth Initiative allows you to do. And the beauty of Personal Growth Initiative and the reason that I use it as a model for my clients is that it comes with a metric, with a scale, the Personal Growth Initiative scale. So it allows us to measure Personal Growth Initiative. It allows us to put a number, a quantitative number, on the ability for that person to express meaningful autonomy. This is a scale that is open source. I have just taken it and put it into a survey monkey link. If you go to otovets.com forward slash PGI, you can get the QR code up there or just click on the link. I take no responsibility for the development of this survey, but the survey I have taken the open source, put it online for you guys so you can get evaluated. I have an individual who will then collate those and send them back to you within one to two days. But what this scale allows us to do is take something completely intangible before, that meaningful autonomy, the expressed autonomy, the ability to chase after those things that we actually care about and put it into perspective and to identify the areas where we are weak. Are we weak in feeling ready for this growth? Are we weak in planning? Maybe we don't feel like we have the social connections or the resources we need to move forward, or maybe we're just not taking the action. And this scale will allow us to identify that. Now, to delve slightly deeper into this, to help you guys understand at a basic level, the personal growth initiative model for kind of as an autonomous intervention, let's just go point by point and briefly touch on them. If you take this survey, your results will have a much bigger explanation and interventional steps for you to act upon them. But I just want to touch on them and get you guys and your feet a little bit wet on the personal growth initiative. So the first of the four categories personal growth initiative looks at is readiness. When we seek to catalyze growth within ourselves or our employees, the first thing we have to do is consider, are they ready for the growth? This readiness for change describes our ability to identify when it's good time or when is a good time for autonomous change, for autonomous growth, for that professional growth. At times for individuals, this can actually just be an innate feeling of almost disappointment with the day-to-day -day life, with the career or the challenges within it. Other times it might be a challenge from a manager, another individual in the organization, or even a client to say, hey, you seem like you're in a funk. You're not improving. You haven't done a lot lately to grow. Can you do something new? Or do you have a skill that you're interested in? A third way that I've seen kind of manifest within my clients is just 
a proliferation of what we call kind of excess time or downtime where the individual just actually has time to think about, hey, I could be better or I need something to do or maybe even their job is at risk. They're just not getting enough done. So they're ready to learn something new, to develop or to chase after something new and meaningful now because they have that time. Now, when I work with veterinary practitioners or employees who exhibit low levels of this readiness for change, a common issue that I see is that they have a poor use or even a lack of time that is protected for their own development. This means that often day to day, they're just playing whack-a-mole, a new problem comes up and they're just chugging through the day and there's just no time for them to actually be ready to grow. They're barely surviving, keeping their head above water. And this is something that's common, right? We have a veterinary shortage, so it's difficult to do this. It's difficult to walk away from the work, but it is one of those things that we as managers can do is to create that time where the employee can slow down, can stop, and can really focus in on the things that are important to them. So one of my most commonly suggested intervention techniques, not just for personal growth initiative, but for clients, veterinarians in general, is to just take... 20 minutes, set aside 20 minutes to brainstorm what the individual or what you want from their career, to actually think about what's interesting to them. Do they have a specialty? Do they want to earn more? Do they need better work-life balance? Do they need mentorship? Do they want to become an owner? Or what else is important to them? And by simply thinking about what's important to them, they actually gain some clarity around that. Once they get clarity, they know or understand that they actually want that. And then, then they are ready because they've gotten out of that whack-a-mole mentality, that go-go-go mentality, and actually thought, this is what I want. And once they understand that, we can start to plan. And we can go right into planfulness, the second big catalyst for personal growth initiative, for seizing that meaningful autonomy. And planfulness talks about the ability to create a coherent plan for your developmental change, for that professional development. Individuals who manifest higher levels of planfulness commonly have crafted maybe monthly or annual or even longer term basic goals that direct their development. They might think about these goals multiple times a week and are very specific in visualizing them or coming up with a step-by-step -step plan for achieving them. They continue to make small incremental progresses as they move forward and often find themselves using a similar or same developmental blueprint as they move forward. This individual, the individual who's high in planfulness, doesn't really struggle with day-to-day -day activities. They know what they're going to do every single day versus walking into the day and then just handling the day and getting it done. They have a plan, they work the plan, they make incremental improvements as they work that plan. This is very rare, quite honestly, for veterinary practitioners. Often, I actually see that planfulness is one of the lowest aspects of personal growth initiative. Very rarely do practitioners have blocked time or specifically dedicated time to get specific things done. Many times, we feel as if we've created structure within our day because we have appointments, but we don't block them in specific ways. We don't use our mornings when we're most creative, perhaps, unless you're one of the 20% of uh, human beings who are more creative at night, to actually do the creative research or the creation or harder type surgeries, 
things that require more focus. And then as we work through the day, we do things that are less intentional. And perhaps later in the afternoon, we do client correspondence that are less mentally draining. These, this is very common, the whack-a-mole mentality, again, not to overstate it, within veterinarians and the lack of overall planning for them. So a simple intervention that I start with for many veterinary practitioners, again, if you are low in planfulness, you are not alone. It is probably the most common low trait in personal growth initiative. The first step that I do with these individuals is just take 20 minutes to sit down every single week and plan out your days. What are the one to five tasks you want to get done every day? And then looking at your calendar, how can I block off 20 minutes each day to work on those one to five tasks? And then how do I protect that? Sometimes it's that simple. If I can get 20 minutes a day commitment out of my practitioners for things that might be important to them, whether that's physical health, whether that's learning a new skill, whether that's just developing themselves through research, through listening to podcasts, through just commitment to themselves in any aspect, a lot of times that creates a little forward momentum, creates some more interest, gives them a taste of that meaningful autonomy. And once they do that, it becomes much easier to start to structure more and more and more of the day. It becomes a habit that they use day in and day out. Now, the third aspect that Personal Growth Initiative has within it is what is known as using resources. And while much of meaningful autonomy is reliant upon you, the individual, or you, the manager, to help the other individual or yourself take control of their development, there is a small aspect, a third, or sorry, a quarter of personal growth initiative that is reliant upon the aspect of community and the connections within it, almost that relatedness that we're thinking back to that self-determination theory. And by surrounding ourselves with individuals that we can consider kind of these nourishers, these peers that support us, that educate us, that encourage us, we are better able to chase after our autonomy. They are kind of our cheerleaders. And if we can leverage these relationships, we can really help ourselves multiply the impact of our autonomous work. Maybe those things that get us ready, those things that we're planning for, or even later on the actions we take, these individuals can amplify what we're doing and how we're able to impact our lives and those around us. So using resources just describes the ability to identify relevant resources for our developmental change. And what I found within the veterinary profession is that most practitioners test very high in using resources. And it's kind of ironic because a lot of them then come to me and go, well, I just don't feel like I'm developing meaningful. And I go, where is all of this coming from? You have the resources, but I think it's because of this huge amount of ongoing free CE and literal tons of information for the veterinary medical practitioner out there. But what I found is that the access to that information is not enough. We need to create a meaningful system for capturing and processing it and create a meaningful system for actually connecting with individuals who can teach us how to use that information. For individuals within clinic leadership to show us how the expression of meaningful work looks like, how we translate that knowledge into dollars, service, things that can improve our clients' lives. The other aspect that's really important about using resources is just the peer base. 
not even your managers or your mentors, but just a group of peers that can sit there and advise you how you use that knowledge. They can connect dots that you can't see. All of these things create this tangible network that you can then go back and plug more into your planfulness, right? So you get a couple ideas maybe from a podcast or from a pre-conference seminar or from a book you read. You run it by your network of mentors, clinic leadership, and peer group, and you come up with a whole new idea, a whole new approach. Then you're able to change your plan from that planfulness stage a little bit and get even more impact by utilizing those resources. That's how I envision practitioners can really leverage this aspect of personal growth initiative. Now, when I work with veterinary professionals who exhibit low levels of using resources or maybe ineffectual levels of using resources would be a better way to put it, a common use or a common thing that I see again is that they're not creating time. They're not creating maybe an hour a month or an hour every week or a half hour here and there to meet with those mentors, to talk to those peers, maybe in a non-work setting, to take time to consume uh, the books, the podcasts, the YouTube videos, the trainings out of their day-to-day cycle. They're not blocking that time. And I know it sounds like block time so huge, but I'm a huge believer in it. There's so many uses for it. But if we want to make use of those resources, we actually have to have time to talk to them. I can't tell you how many times, myself included, very much myself included, where I know people who have great mentors, but they just never meet with them. They never talk to them. So how how do you get that feedback? How do you continue to develop? And that is where I see an advantage or an ability for practitioners who are looking to improve the efficiency of their resource gathering, the efficiency of their resource processing by simply taking the time to talk to other people, to process what they actually learned, to think a little bit more about those resources, to contemplate, to brainstorm how they could be used differently. Now, the final aspect of personal growth initiative that we got to talk about is intentional behavior. Intentional behavior is the marriage almost of all three of these personal growth initiative categories. It is kind of that competency aspect of self-determination theory, right? It is the manifestation of our feelings of readiness, of our creation of a plan, of the collection and processing of resources into an actual competency manifest on the world. And optimizing intentional behavior results in actual outcomes from our expressions of meaningful autonomy. It is kind of the results-orientated workplace endpoint for a manager, for an employee. It is what we get out of this entire cycle of empowerment for employees. It is the intentional behavior, the action, the creation of the service, the change in the management structure, the overall change in the employee's professional behavior or development that results from their personal growth initiative, from their seizing of that meaningful autonomy. Now, when we work with practitioners who have low intentional behavior, which again, isn't uncommon, uh, believe it or not, again, this is another category where we see a lot of practitioners with a high level of intentional behavior, but they are low in readiness, planfulness, and resources. And what I actually think is that's the manifestation, again, bringing it back again, the whack-a-mole mentality, we're always taking action, 
but we're not working the plan. So when I see practitioners with a low level of act of intentional behavior or a high level of intentional behavior with those three other categories manifesting pretty low, the first step that I go to them with is what are you trying to accomplish? Why are you doing this? And what do you want? Believe it or not, I would say 75 to 90% of the time, one of those three questions cannot be answered by that practitioner, which means they're just taking action to take action. They don't actually have a plan. And if you look at the psychological research behind this, action without a plan is actually detrimental to overall life satisfaction. So the first step we do with these individuals with low levels of intentional behavior or very, very high levels of intentional behavior, but low readiness, planfulness, or using resources is to go back again and get some clarity around what are they trying to do? Why are they trying to do it? What's motivating them? What is their meaningful work? And are they actually taking action on that? Now, the last thing I'll leave you with for action is that individuals who are struggling with ineffective action, individuals who are taking that activity step and getting it very, very high, but aren't getting anything done, take a step back and just reflect at the end of every day. Five minutes. What did I do today? What did I accomplish? And what you'll find is many times your days are just filled with, again, getting things done, but not getting the meaningful work done. And as managers, if we just ask our employees for five minutes, hey, what did you do today? And how did it make you feel? Did it fulfill you? Did it not fulfill you? You can kind of get a pulse of what's going on in your clinic, what's going on in that practitioner's mind, and are they getting enough meaningful, autonomous work in in a day? Or do you need to find a way to block some time or to encourage them to be that resource area for them moving forward? And again, it doesn't have to take much time. Two to 10 minutes. Take two minutes, sit in front of your car, in front of the steering wheel, and just think about it. As a manager, just try and catch an employee once or twice a week and ask them about their day. Break it down. How do they feel? Did they actually work on things that were meaningful to them? Did they get to work on or think about their wants and their whys? Crafting clarity around this and the relationship they currently have with their autonomy in the workplace, it's a great first step. So ultimately, what's the TDLR? What's the ultimate message? And the ultimate message is that happiness equals meaningful growth, meaningful autonomy. If you or an employee are struggling with that poor inner work-life story, with a lack of empowerment, low well-being, low life satisfaction, or feel just stagnant in your growth, go take that assessment. Again, otovets.com forward slash TGI. You can scan the QR code, click the link. Within 24 to 48 hours, you'll get your assessment back, which will actually break these categories down even further, give you more interventional steps, give you your score, and then you can do those steps and come back in a month or two months and rescore yourself and continually track yourself and your progress. It's completely free. Again, that's otovets.com forward slash PGI. Addressing personal growth is a key component to crafting a healthy, progressive workplace, especially veterinary clinic, Amabilly's research team, again, that progress principle research team found that if we crafted this positive work environment, if we allowed people to express that meaningful autonomy, they had a elevated level of well-being, elevated life satisfaction, and again, 50% increases in creativity that day, the next day, the next day. 
So if we really want to innovate, if we want to improve lives and change the way that our clinics practice medicine, you're going to struggle to find a better intervention with more merit than crafting meaningful autonomous work through the use of the personal growth initiative model. With that said, thanks for joining me today, OTRs, and carry on. If you liked this content and want more, join our OTO community at otovets.com forward slash Facebook. Also, check out our blog at otovets.com forward slash blog. Please join our community for an active discussion about today's podcast, past podcasts, and other topics within veterinary medicine. Thanks again for joining us today, OTOers, and carry on.